0: Welcome to the teachings of Pastor Mike Yost of the Springs Calvary Chapel in Habern, Idaho. Please join us as we study the Word of God. I am one of those that Jesus died for and because He lives, so do I. Amen? Amen. Amen. Woo! (laughs) I just want to expound on the Scriptures for a moment. You know that's our habit, that's our practice, to go into the Word of God and let God speak, right? Not just to know the Word of God, but we want to know the God of the Word. I want Him in my life. I want Him living in my life. And and so I'm going to go back to a passage that was read during the scripture reading. This will be brief. I know you got little ones fidgeting and and we don't want to belabor this. It's a a day to celebrate. But truly, I want you to see what I see. I want to make sure that we see what John saw, what Luke saw, what Matthew saw, what Mark saw, what the world saw in Jesus. And so I'm going to take us to John chapter 20. And just kind of bring out a couple points, if I may. I'll read through verses uh, 1 through 9. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter, therefore, went out, and the other disciple, and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and He saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went their way again to their own homes." In a moment here, we'll go our way again to our own homes. But I don't want us to miss what God is showing us. I want us to see clearly what is in this passage. It begins now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. So this is before the sunrise. And in this situation, they have already witnessed, as we've read about and and, and worshiped, that Jesus Christ was was crucified and buried, and they were on their way to finish the burial process to properly um, bury Him. And so, it's early in the morning, it's dark, and their faith has been eclipsed. What they believed in, what they hoped in, what they expected Jesus to be didn't seem to be materializing. Not from their point of view. It says, while it was still dark, she went to the tomb early and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. This is what she saw. This is what we celebrate. Many of you have an uh, Easter um, display in your home, and you'll have that tomb with this stone rolled away. Here, uh, John uses the word. It was actually cast away, like flung away. And, and many people have, have thought, well, that's how Jesus got out. I think the truth is that's how we see in. He didn't need to move the stone. He walked right through the stone if he wanted to, but he wanted us to know that it's empty. Who do you see? Why do you seek the living amongst the dead? He's not here. He's risen. But what did she see? Did she see the empty tomb? It doesn't say that, does it? It says that she saw the stone cast away. That's what she saw. The stone's not there. And I'm going to give you a couple quick Greek words because they're fun and it will Illuminate this passage for you. Hear this word for she saw that the stone had been rolled away. She saw is the word blepo. You don't need to know blepo so much, but you should know what it means. It means that she noticed, she looked. And a lot of times that's how people treat Jesus. That's how people treat Christianity, that's how people treat the gospel, that's how people treat the church, that's how people treat religion, that's how people treat you. They notice you. Oh, yeah, Christian, I'll bet I know where they're going to be on Sunday morning. That's about all they know, that's all they notice about you, blepo, they look, they see. It goes on to say in verse 2, then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple. This is John, the apostle who is writing this passage. She ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord. They've taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So clearly, she takes a second bleppo a second look and there's no body. Jesus isn't there. We don't know. And this is the problem with just casually glancing, noticing something, maybe taking a look, is it doesn't lead to understanding. I don't know. Where'd they take the body? Verse 3 Peter, therefore, based on this report, the leader of the disciples, went out and the other disciple, this is John, and were going to the tomb. They're going to investigate. They're going to do, they're going to take that extra look. This is what I pray people do this morning around the planet, around the globe. Look, look deeper. Verse 4, so they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first and stooping down and looking in, he saw, he bleppo, he noticed the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Just like she said, not here. Just like he said, stone's gone. Just like she said, tomb's empty. What does that mean? I don't know. And he did not go in. I would invite you to enter in to the full resurrection this morning. Verse 6, then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. The word for saw here in verse 6 is different now. It's not blepo anymore. It's theoreo. Theoreo. You're kind of familiar with it as it's come into our English language as theater, like when you go to the movies, when you look at something intently, you view attentively, you you perceive, you, you consider it, you chew on it a little bit. Peter actually went in and Theoreo, this is not what I expected to find. I know she said the body's gone, the stone's rolled away, but look, the linen claws where He was laid, they're just as though they were still wrapped around Him. It's as if you put your hand in a glove and remove your hand and the shape is still there. This is not the act of somebody like Jesus did with Lazarus a couple days earlier, unbind Him and they wrapped, unwrapped Him, right? The, it's just as though the body's there, but it's not. And the linen Kerchief that would go over his face, neatly folded. This wasn't some kind of a a robbery or something like that. In fact, I've used this in teaching uh, youth. This is a a passage where even Jesus makes his bed. (laughs) Teaching that to children. Yeah, you should make your bed, right? He took time, got up, and did everything decently and in order. And Peter, the oreo. He's seeing something deeper. He's looking deeper. He's going in. He's perceiving. And yet, it says in verse 8, then the other disciple, John, who is writing this gospel, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. And again, for the word saw, Another Greek word. It's the Greek word "ido," e i d o, ido, and ido has to do with the idea. You might you see this similar in "id" or identity or identified. He understood. He put all the pieces together, and he saw. He saw the risen Savior. He's not here. He is risen. And he believed. And you see, this is the gospel message. This is the message of Easter. This is what we need to understand. It goes on to say, um, for as yet they ha- did not know, and just for fun, that word for know, it's the same Greek word, "ido." They did yet not see in the Scripture that he must rise again. You see, this is the heart of the gospel message. This is the heart of Christianity. This is the centerpiece of the gospel. Without it, everything fails. Paul the Apostle would write to the church in Corinth in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, he would say, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received and in which you stand, by which you are saved. There's a lot of power in that gospel. By which you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, and here comes Paul's gospel. That which I also received, that Christ died for our sins. This is gospel 101. You're a sinner, and you need a Savior. The wages of sin is death. And without paying that debt, you will have to receive that punishment. And yet, this is the good news, that Christ died for our sins. He was sinless, but nevertheless, He paid a debt that you could not pay so that you could live a life that He gives you freely. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, That he was buried three days in the tomb, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. This is the heart of the gospel, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to explain in 1 Corinthians 15, now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Then our preaching is empty and your faith is empty. Yes, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised Him up the Christ whom He did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise up. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. That's not the gospel. Then also those who have fallen asleep, those who have already died in Christ, have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. But. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. He goes on to say in verse 35, But someone will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that the body shall be but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as He pleases to each seed its own body. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body as it is written The first man, Adam, became a living being, the last man, Adam, a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of eye, at the last trumpet for the dead Uh, For the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruption has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where's your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Worship team. Come on up. I meant to be quick, and I think I did. Remarkable. This might go down in history. Some people would say, you said that he's going to die according to the Scriptures. Where in the Old Testament does it say that Christ will rise from the dead? Glad you asked. Psalm 16, verse 10. I'm sorry. Yeah, Psalm 16, verse 10 We read, David writing, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, okay, in the grave, nor will you allow your Holy One, this is Jesus Christ, to see corruption. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. David prophesied, about the resurrection of Christ. Hosea, writing in Hosea 6, says, Come, let us return to the Lord, for He has torn, He will heal us. He has stricken, but He will bind us up. After two days, we will, He will revive us. On the third day, He will rise us up that we may live in His sight. Okay? And then finally, In Daniel, another passage speaking about the resurrection, in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, "'At that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt.'" Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness in the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. Our life is eternal, our souls are immortal. The thing we need to see is where we will be in eternity. Will we be with our risen Lord? It's very simple. The Bible teaches if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that means Jesus, God, made flesh, born of a virgin, sinless life, died, resurrection. He's God, He's the boss. Do you believe that? If you believe that, say, I believe. I I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord. It says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and, and this is crux, this is the heart of it, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you believe? Well, then tell the world that Jesus is written. Amen? Amen. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about the Springs Calvary Chapel, please visit our website at www.thespringscalvarychapel.org. Join us in person at the Springs in Habern, Idaho, or here on the podcast as we worship together in spirit and in truth.